Okay, so I'm open to questions, and uh, I have to say that, of course, we have a limited time, and that's just how it is. And also, you know, we're trying to address a particular theme, and of course, there are many things we could think about and be quite enjoyable to talk about. But if you're asking a question, just bear in mind, you know, like maybe there's 50, 60 people here, so I'm not concerned about whether it should be intimate, but that's something that probably could be of value for other people. So it's something that's got some sort of universal quality qualities to it. So nothing too necessarily particularly personal um, in terms of it that other people couldn't relate to it. Um, so if we can stay on the topic and something that's of broad concern, we all have problems with our families and so forth, I'm not denying that questions are always personal, which is great, but that's something that's, uh, you know, think, oh yeah, she asked the question I thought I wish I'd asked. <laughs> Could you describe a detailed example of returning to the unfettered when in a day-to-day -day interaction that creates restriction of chitta? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think the first thing to do is to recognize you're feeling fettered. So if you recognize that, um, that's good. And uh, that it's, it's, it's happening for you. It's not the nature of time or the occasion, but it's, you're feeling somehow stuck. Now, if you can get to the experience of how does your body feel in that condition, you know, you may feel a certain gripping, certain edginess in your hands, certain tension in your chest. Mm -hmm. Now, from there, can you, all right, yeah, I do feel frustrated or tense or not getting through. Okay, that's happening in my body. Now, can I extend my awareness to cover the entire form right down to the soles of my feet and connect to the earth? Because all the problems really come from disconnect. And often with human beings, we're very good at disconnecting. We're, we're masters at it. Nothing disconnects like a human. Other animals can't do it, but we can. So you experience this sense of disconnect pretty normal you know so you feel fettered because he doesn't understand or the idiot doesn't listen or can't get it across because i can't find my words yeah you know so what can we connect we can connect to the earth we can connect to our body and so we can connect to our breath take an out breath and then just review is the heart impatient, frustrated, feeling guilty? Let's just take some time to relieve the fetter where it, where it exists around your own heart. It's not dealing with the topic, the fact that he doesn't listen. Yeah, or I can't get I can't get my words across properly, or there's no time. Those are the topics. 
But the theme is a sense of frustration, not heard, disconnected, uh, can't get, so that, you know, so we can return to that experience many times in different situations. So that's the experience. And if we relieve that, we might say, well, actually, yeah, it's true. He doesn't listen. <laughs> but that doesn't restrict my heart, you know. If somebody else doesn't pick up the message, you know, does that have to restrict you? If there isn't time, does it have to restrict your heart? So we can see that circumstances are restrictive, aren't they? Even now, how much time we've got. Circumstances in the world of time and space are always subject to restrictions that we cannot dismiss. Point is not to internalize them as frustration or um, you know, whatever you're experiencing. And as it's so often the Buddha said, you know, when you can't get across, he said that you cannot underestimate the value of equanimity. <laughs> Just didn't work. He wasn't. She wasn't available. So it is. You know, I'm not shutting down. So body helps because you, if you connect to your body and you connect your body to the planet and the space around you, it gives the chitta, the heart, ah, somewhere to, to touch ground because the situation, the circumstances is turning towards that and those are not those are not working. There's a disconnect there. Turn it towards where there is a connect and it comes back to its its sanity you might say okay and then you can review it from there and and you know recognizing a lot of things don't work the way one wants them to that doesn't have to restrict us the next question does romantic love qualify as a form of love as conditionality seems implicit in romantic love. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a bit rusty on this one, actually. I haven't had one of those for a few decades. <laughs> but I would say that uh, romantic love, there's a huge, there's a considerable amount of projection and fantasy that goes into it. Mm. I don't say, I'm not saying that you can't have romantic love as well as, you know. Uh, I mean, it's possible to get over romance and get down to the real thing. <laughs> For romance, uh, there's a lot of, of wish fulfillment, a lot of projection onto the other. The other becomes an object of one's um, imagination, one's wish fulfillment, one's, I would say, fantasy projection. What do you expect to get from a monk, huh? <laughs> so, you know, this is just what monks say. You know better, but this is what monks say. So I'll say what monks say. <laughs> you can you can figure it out for yourself. <laughs> right? I think, personally, romantic love is um, a problem. That uh, it, it's like, it's, it's um, maybe an attempt to open the heart, but it opens it. Um, and it, in, in a confused way where the energies rush out and paint. They don't really receive the other. They paint them. 
Now there can be a kind of a sense of uh, like a a rapture that can occur. Uh, There's a sense of when we really are open, there's a certain brightness and a warming effect. But it's no projection. We don't really know what the other person is or expect anything or, or imagine anything. It's just the certain radiance of being that can occur in with other people. Rare, but possible. This is more like, you know, the divine rapture of the um, devotees and mystics. When we did the breathing meditation, between the in-breath and out-breath, I noticed I was holding. When I noticed it, it was able to be released. But then a weariness came over me. This still remains. Uh, any guidance with regards how to work with the breath in a more constructive way? Yeah. Well, I like to think that it's not one breath after another, it's a continual band of breathing that occurs from birth until death. There's three phases in it. There's the rising, the inhalation, the, the descent, we could say the exhalation, and there's always the turning point, which is the what I call the pause, and I think the most significant places are those pauses, because this is where the will lets go. You know, so obviously, if someone is very um, um, forced, there's a lot of willpower. The diaphragm tightens up, but even in ordinary breathing, you feel the muscles have to do the do that, don't they? They, they do the working, they do the breathing. At a certain point, as you breathe out and out and out muscles finally stop doing anything stay there stay there and widen listen open and then the in-breath muscles start working again and pull the in-breath in right um and then same thing on the in-breath comes in and then there's a pausing Receives. It's all separate. And those are interesting places because, conventionally speaking, our lives, our actual lives, are always some degree of will, isn't there? You know, we're inclining this way, that way, and if you don't, you basically fall asleep. Now, the, the problem is sometimes people don't even notice there is a pause or very not much of a pause. But well, that pause is the place where the will releases, also some of the self releases. Because we're so much identified or formed out of our doingness. You know, our doingness is just thinking. The non doing, but being awake to it, aware of it, is. So sometimes it's kind of nervous. But also what occurs is that. The results of one's actions are felt, the net results. So sometimes people are just tired, you know, just through all their actions. So you breathe, take a real deep breath in, because you've been running on willpower for, for most of the day. And so that place can be very woozy and, and, and nervy. So why it's good to keep sensitive to your to your body 
and the energy of breathing out, and also breathing in, because a little pause at the end of the in-breath is actually a very bright opening kind of to the sky, you could say. It's a bright opening into space, and the breathing out is a cool opening into the into the earth. So if we, as you're breathing out, recognize you come to that place, and rather than just slide into it, have a sense of you know this is going to come and go into it with a sense of grace and interest and like you're going to be received by spirit because this is where the naked spirit underneath the will can be sensed in these pauses. Now it can take some time because it's, it's a different energy from the moving stuff. It's like an open energy, and we're not used to that. So, because that, perhaps keep your eyes open. Uh, try to feel as you're breathing out, you know, the muscles in your lower belly and where they begin to relax. Stay there physically. Coming up to the in-breath, stay in the top of your chest. Open, feel the sensation. You've got a little bit of backing to linger there. And of course, this is where you know, we need that um, encouragement to accept and to be open to the strangeness when our self dissolves. That's what I'd recommend. Excellent. With regards to feeling of restriction, is it important to recognize and name the emotion behind that feeling of restriction? Um, I wouldn't be in a hurry because it's quite um, the, the naming itself can add some add another like an emotional message. See what I mean? So the moment, anxious. Do you want to be anxious? No. So immediately say the word anxious. You shouldn't be there. Yeah. Do you want to feel frightened? No. So so immediately there's a kind of emotional print. Wrong. Something wrong. Something wrong. You shouldn't be this way. Well, they, you don't want that. <laughs> you know, the feeling itself is difficult enough without some reflex of condemning it <laughs> or dismissing it or, you know, because that adds another thing. So be careful of the words. And I would say rather than, rather than words like anxious, nervous, depressed, angry, just say hot, cool, wavery, much less, more, more like somatic impressions than these abstract notions. Like, I know what anxiety is, but the feeling of anxiety is what? A certain tremble, shiver. Go to tremble, shiver. But then, you see, because you're dealing with the actual feeling very directly, the heart can respond directly to the direct feeling. Right? So the direct feeling is tremble or, or ungrounded. The heart goes, oh brings in what's needed. It comforts. Whereas I anxious, oh, well, stop being so anxious, pull you, you know. It's a brain, it's another mind message. Because anxious is, what's that? I don't see any anxious is walking around. But I do see trembling. <laughs> I do see wavering. I do see, you know, closed. So if it feels closed, say closed. Yeah. If it feels grey, say grey. It feels numb, say, can't feel. 
you can't feel. And then you do try and get as direct and even poetic, you know, feels like a kind of a damp cloud. What's that mean? Well, just keep saying it. And the heart goes, oh, damn And some, is it, it can, as an interesting intuitive reflexes start to occur when you actually touch the felt experience directly rather than through the translation. Do fetters or emotions tend to arise in the same place in the body consistently or can the same emotion be felt in different parts of the body in different ways? It's mostly uh, the um, upper body. I mean, generally my, my Toes are free from guilt. It's wonderful. <laughs> so <laughs> the business starts getting difficult as you move on up into the torso and the face and the head, because this is all that that area of the body. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can feel. Say it doesn't. So we might say you take a part, put aside the anatomical body. You know, this visual experience, say, the felt body is like a web of pulsing experiences. And a frustration on that felt web feels like a constriction. So now you might localize it. So, well, actually, when I sense where is my physical body when I experience that, I know there's some sort of darkness around the throat. Or it could be in the belly or the sides, or the face. So these are generally the sensitive areas, you know, that are associated with these restrictive uh, qualities. But actually it's affecting everything. That's important because we might sense, okay, I've got this feeling of frustration clogging my throat, so I try and get into that throat area and loosen up. Well, when you want to untie a knot, you don't go to the tightest part of the knot to untie it, you go to the loosest part. Right? So you've got a clogged, knotted sense in your throat. Don't go in there because that's that's the tightest part of the knot. Instead, what's around that? Okay, down your arms. What's happening in the palms of your hands? Oh yeah, they're crinkling up too. What about if I relax, can I relax the palms of my hands? Oh. Can I put my feet on the ground? Yeah. So, you know, you go to the loosest part and start opening that. It's like it creates a channel for the energy to drain through. This question is the problem with the mind being rather easily distracted, but occasionally the mind begins to rest naturally in itself and feels pleasant, nourishing, but the practice isn't constant and then it gets distracted again and there's the feeling of frustration at not being able to have this more constant practice or stability in one's practice. Can you advise? Babies need nurturing. Uh, you can't expect a toddler to be, uh, you know, <laughs> doing a race. 
So you've got to nurture it. Mm. Yeah. And even though you know one knows in one's mind, actually the heart growing up is a, is an uncertain process. How long it takes, you know, you can't measure it. Mm. Mm. But it was certainly it's not going to grow up through getting annoyed with it or dragging it up or pushing it. It's going to grow up through through nourishing it. And so you know, you know so you it's just what what is the fetter now? Feeling despondent, feeling can't make it, feeling how long is this going to take? Oh, that's, how's that? Yeah. Other beings get this too. Oh, maybe be more patient and equanimous with ourselves and just take one moment at a time, humbly and lovingly. Chitta responds well to that. That was the last of the questions that were typed in at present. So I'll do. Well, thank you for that. And I hope um, my responses touched the right place. And if they didn't, I apologize um, for you know shortcomings that I may have. And I ask for your compassion. <laughs> So I'm working really, you know, on the way this being operates, though I obviously listen to talk to people a lot. So I do get a lot of bit of field work and encouragement. But human beings are my teachers. And so, um, you know, all the time I'm learning, I'm learning particularly from your questions. And so every time I ask a question, it causes me to consider and maybe what you've said can help me to help others in the future. So, thank you.